This show was originally recorded November 11th, 2009. Dun, dun. And that's the Mysteria of the Wisteria. <laughs> Don't get Listeria, kids, because it's time for Vegan Radio. Or the Swine Flu. Swine Flu. There's, there's some new, uh, new uh, Ukrainian version of it now. The Ukrainian Swine Flu? Some kind of thing like that. It's killing more people than ever. The Yuka Flu? Um, let's see. Ukrainian swine flu. Today in the studio, we have uh, David Loveler. Hello. <laughs> Who is a soybean maniac. Soybean maniac? I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't everybody grow soybeans? You grow them. Wow. And uh, supposedly Scott Latane's going to show up today. <laughs> And so that that might be exciting. If you're lucky. Um, Scott had arranged for another guest, uh, somebody named Will from Cooks for Compassion. But I see he's not here either. <laughs> <laughs> what to do? Oh, We're going to have to tell crazy vegan jokes all show. Oh, the WHO says... Test on swine flu samples from Ukraine show no significant mutation of the virus. Who had sent an expert team to Ukraine last week after reports of an unusual flu outbreak? Global Body said Tuesday, preliminary genetic sequencing at laboratories in Britain and United States showed that the virus in Ukraine was similar to that used for production of pandemic flu vaccine. Ukrainian Health Ministry has registered some 1.4 million cases of the flu and respiratory illness since the start of the swine flu outbreak. Uh, so it's not a super super flu version of the swine flu. <laughs> it's, a fal- it's a false false alarm. <laughs> yeah, well, Ukraine. It could have been on the map as the the beginning of the apocalypse, but now <laughs> now it's just another funny named country. Oh, derelict. <clears throat> So, David. <laughs> David, you're in the hot seat all of a sudden. Um, sure we've been wanting on Vegan Radio for a while now to talk about uh, growing vegan foods locally since the locavore movement seems to be taken over by meatheads. Um, and, uh, of course, for vegans, um, soy is a good source of protein. And even though it's controversial um, among some people, because it has phytoestrogens and and stuff like that. Well, but, uh, the Japanese seem to have done very well with it. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of financial interests in making soy look bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, soy's soy's mostly for cows in uh, in most of agriculture. Cows and vegans. <laughs> 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 and soy sauce, of course, very important. And miso. Miso. So you're so great for growing soy. How do you do it? Is it easy to grow in this climate? It's actually, yeah, it is. It is. You just put them in the ground. They grow just like bush beans. Bush beans? String beans. Oh. (laughs) You know, as opposed to pole beans. Oh, I see. (laughs) So you don't even need to set up all those crazy uh, uh, trellises for the soy to grow up on? No, no trellises, no lattices, just... um, Oh, plant them about 
three inches apart, and uh, you know they come up if the rabbits don't eat them. And you've all heard of edamame, those green soybeans. Say, yeah, I remember our CSA years ago had edamame. I think they still do. And they probably do. Yep, and you can buy frozen edamame already popped out of the shells, but it's much more fun to have them in season and you know eat them fresh, steam them for five minutes, put a little salt on the pods if you want to. You know, in Japan, the, instead of peanuts in the bars, they actually they serve edamame. Edamame. Yeah. Fresh That's green nuts. soybeans. That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Derek. <laughs> not nuts. Not nuts. <laughs> so how many bushels do you grow? Oh, I, see, I live in a co-housing community in Amherst, and I'm part of the gardening committee. So, okay. you know, all right, we grow two beds, two 32-foot-long beds, and... Um, you know, it's it's enough soybeans for a little harvest. You know, they they really only last about two weeks as fresh soybeans. Okay. And then after that, they dry, and you get those yellow soybeans that you can store all winter. Wow. And I actually get half of them because nobody in our community nobody wants really them. wants them. They just want the edamame. <laughs> <laughs> but last year, I harvested, oh, about a gallon and a half of dry soybeans after being shelled. Okay. And so you make big pots of soybean stew? For the wintertime? My idea was to make a lot of soy milk and then make yogurt out of the soy milk. Nice. And And did that happen? It did happen, actually. Um, And I did reserve some for sprouting. I want to tell you later about soybean sprouts. Awesome. Well, tell tell us us now. now? (laughs) Sure. Why not? (laughs) Well, actually, this year, um, I I didn't get any of the soybeans. Somebody else in the community hogged them all. I think I'll barter (laughs) with her. (laughs) But I still have some from last year. Okay. After, well, actually, uh, part of our soybean crop failed, and we had to replant, and we replanted with our own beans. You know, talk about local. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, um, what I do is I actually sprout the soybeans. I start them in a jar, and then when they germinate, I put them in soil, you know, in a flower pot or a tray, and then... um, Cool, so you're not even, like, getting starters from anywhere. You're just doing it all on your own. That's right. That's right. I mean, some of you may have tried soybean sprouts that, you know, you could buy. You know, they're popular in Korean cuisine, maybe not so much in Japanese. And they're they're white like mung bean sprouts. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe the beans look yellow. But if you grow them on soil and give them a little bit of light, they turn green and they taste amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. I should bring some in for you to try. I'd love some. I'd love to try some. You didn't bring us any soy. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. I don't know how we're going to get our protein to make it through the show. <laughs> now, have you gotten into any of the controversy regarding soy? Have you done any re- research around it? or? You know, I read part of a there, – there was a book. I don't remember the title of it, but um, there, there, there was a book. It was about the horrors of soy, mm-hmm. and I looked in the index – under all the different kinds, all the different forms of soy that I eat, and none of them were controversial. Uh, uh, right, like fermented, like miso. Right, like miso, like tempeh, which is cultured soybeans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess soy sauce, so- tamari is mm-hmm. um, fermented soybeans, and soybean sprouts, and yogurt, and none of those were um, considered bad, according to this mm. author. So is it the more processed soys that they're... Yeah, the fractionated, you know, the uh, the tofu. TVP. Well, tofu is actually uh, 
cultured, well, it's uh, coagulated okay, um, so it's, so it's soy okay. milk. Well, no, it's, it's actually a fraction of the soybeans because when you make soy milk, you strain the stuff after you cook. You, you blend it with water and then you strain it and you basically throw away the fiber. Right. You could make cookies and breads. Eat it to the pigs. <laughs> so tofu doesn't have fiber? Tofu has no fiber, just wow. like meat has no fiber. You know that. Tempeh has a very small amount of fiber. Well, tempeh is the whole bean, so it yeah. has all the fiber. But I'm, okay. Co- you know, c- compared to. Compared to. Right. It's, it's a little pre digested. Yeah, cultured. <laughs> but you know, you, you know, just as an aside, you could make tempeh on millet or oats. You know, tempeh is, is, is a culture, it's, yeah. it's not necessarily right. a soybean it thing. It have to be soy. So to make yogurt from soybeans, you're not starting with soy milk. You're starting with the whole soybean? No, you are starting with soy milk. Oh, okay. So you lose, you lo- you've lost the fiber already, but you have the whey. <laughs> um, and it's local, and you're keeping if it If your soy milk is local, um, most of the time these days when I make soy yogurt, I start with boxed soy milk. Oh, you do? Okay. Um, yeah. Can I say what brand I use? Um, oh, it's a tricky situation. Okay, pl- I, plain unsweetened. <laughs> That's the brand. It's okay. called plain unsweetened soy milk. <laughs> you can say all the brands you don't use. <laughs> there's actually a big controversy with silk right now. I don't use Cliss. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a big controversy with silk because they are um, they stopped using organic soybeans. They've uh, really. Yeah, they. Well, that's what happens because they're owned by a dairy company. Yeah, they're and they're they're calling them natural, or they're using some other word to make them sound like they're still good. But I think they're just but using they're bad <laughs> GMO, and they've you know they've lost all their wow credits. That's good to know. So it's actually really easy to make soy yogurt. So I'm going to put myself out of business before I've even started here. But if you start with... Um, well, people are lazy. You, you can't. You got to keep that in mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. This is, yeah, I could tell you how to do this, but it's so hard. You'll never do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when you make yogurt from cow's milk, you have to scald the milk, bring it up to 180 degrees to destroy any foreign organisms other than the yogurt. But if you buy a sterile box of soy milk, you know, one of those quart or two-quart containers, you know, it, it's already sterile. All you have to do is bring Sweet. it up to the right temperature. You don't have to bring it up and then bring right. it back down again. And awesome. really all you need is a thermometer and the knowledge of what temperature to use. So that so when do you put in the uh the biotics? The starter. The, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah, the probiotics, yeah, the uh the, the lacto cultures, whatever they are. Um after you've you know what? Since you're not bringing it up to 180 degrees, you could put it in before or after you heat up the soy milk. You want to get the milk up to 112 degrees. Okay. And what does that do? It makes the yogurt bugs happy. <laughs> yogurt bugs? <laughs> <laughs> yogurt bugs. That doesn't sound good. Organisms? Does that sound better? So is it, you're just doing this in like a pot or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, some people have seen yogurt makers, and that's really just an incubator that keeps the temperature. But I've made it in an oven with the pilot light on. I've rigged up all sorts of things like a glass jar with the uh, starter and the milk bathing in a larger pot of water. Sometimes all it takes is 
putting a towel over the top of the pot so the heat stays in. But if you're doing this in the summertime, I've found that if you use a steel pot, you could just put it out on the porch in the sun, and you know the sun's heat will make yogurt for you. Cool. You could get a little solar cooker of some kind, maybe. Yeah, you won't want it to get too hot. <laughs> <laughs> Big magnifying glass. <laughs> Small magnifying glass. <laughs> So and what then, else? Then what you put it in the refrigerator, or do you have to refrigerate it for a certain amount of time? Or uh, no, no. It, when it, does it, it get thickens, like it, 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 it thickens, thickens in? Um, you know, I don't know, three to eight hours. I think it depends on the temperature, or it depends on how accustomed the yogurt organisms are to to, to the milk. You know, you could. I always keep a, a small amount of each batch and use that to inoculate the next batch. As opposed to, you know, eating with your spoon, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> putting it back, double dipping, and then trying to make yogurt oh, out of that. you don't want to double dip. No, you don't want to keep, it's not only that, but you don't want to open it to air and organisms. So you keep it in a sealed jar in the refrigerator, and then when you're ready to make your next batch, you use your fresh stuff, not the stuff you've been eating from. Right. That's cool. And then... Uh, then there's cream cheese. <laughs> you're making cream cheese? Out of the soy yogurt. Are really? you? Yeah, yeah. All you have to do is take the soy yogurt and put it through a cloth bag or a, a t-shirt. You know, anything that's clean. And, uh, <laughs> so you know, make sure it's dish, clean. Dish, dish towel. <laughs> wow. And uh, what happens is the whey drips out, and then you get another byproduct. You get soy whey. You could use that. You could just drink it. So the mix. the whey stays in the t-shirt. <laughs> and the no, 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 the cream cheese stays in the. T-shirt. Oh, the cream cheese. Cook. <laughs> well, I always think of whey as like a more thick substance. Uh, no, it's yeah, whey, curd. Whey think is, curd and whey. Oh, I see. So curd, curd is the thicker part and That's whey right. is the liquidy. That's right. Yeah. They, I think that they both have protein, but the curd has more fat as well as protein. Wow. So you are yeah. the local soy guru. And then if you want to make flavored yogurt, like chive yogurt or or anything, you know, you could put that into the... Um, I mean, not the yogurt. You could put it in the yogurt to make chive cream cheese. Ah. Wow. Wow. Does yours, does yours compare to Tofuti? Tofuti <laughs> is very thick. If you look at all the ingredients they have, they have thickeners. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's a little... Well, I mean, it's, it tastes good, but... <laughs> it's a little questionable. Yeah, well, we're trying to figure out what, all these uh, bagel shops in New York City that have these all different kinds of tofu cream cheese and if if they make themselves or if it's some kind of yeah. secret tofu conspiracy or something i don't know <laughs> probably tofu you think it's tofu <laughs> <laughs> i haven't been to new york for a long time i grew up there but i don't know where i've never seen like where you could order giant tubs of tofu or anything <laughs> i guess it's possible it's possible and then maybe they just mix in their own you know to make the chai or chives or whatever yeah I don't know. I don't know. If anyone knows, let us know. Call us up. 413-585-1033. Or if you're listening to our podcast, go to our website, veganradio.com. Oh, yeah. That too. Ah. So what else you got for us, David? Anything? Well, I'm getting ready to make green soy milk with these sprouted soybeans. (laughs) Nice. Really? Awesome. Can you make raw soy milk with sprouted soybeans? Uh, uh, Could you like blend them up with water or something? Yeah, 
I'll let you know. I'm going to try it. <laughs> Get on it. You could revolutionize the raw movement here. <laughs> Any, what, what other soy products do we want David to make for us? <laughs> uh, soy ice cream? Do you ever make that? I haven't yet, but... You know, there are recipes. You can, oh, it's, yeah. It should be hard to Many do Many that. recipes. That's what I'd like to see. And then you got to start getting into the coconuts. <laughs> yeah, grow those coconuts on the <laughs> co-op farm. So so do you think, um, could you grow soy through the winter if you had like a greenhouse or some kind of setup? I have never heard about that. No? No. Is it? Is It's not as hardy as like uh, collards or kale, kale or something like that. No, it has to flower and, you know, produce viable seeds. And, you know, we're not expecting kale to make seeds during the winter, are we? I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> you know what to expect. You know, <laughs> kale is a biennial. And if you leave it in the ground and if, if some of the plants survive, they yeah. will flower. And then you could eat the flower buds, sort of like broccoli. And you could eat the open yellow flowers. And then you get seed pods. And actually, I call these kale beans. They look like little tiny string beans. And, you, you know, you could eat um, things in the kale family, um, arugula seed pods, radish seed pods. There, there are a lot of things in a garden that you can find that you can't find commercially. You know, grow a garden. Eat everything. I know. Grow a garden for crying out loud. Either that and also learn to forage, I think, is the other the other thing we need to do. <laughs> like a bear? Well, just like like any <laughs> vegetarian animal, you know. You yeah. Know, know what you can eat in the wild. So when the apocalypse comes, <laughs> you'll be ready. You'll be able to survive. Put your Rambo gear on. And <laughs> well, well, if you're a forager, you don't need to have Rambo gear. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you do. All these people that think they're carnivores. <laughs> Come car- on, what fun is an apocalypse? People is- that think they're carnivores need all that stuff. <laughs> what fun is an apocalypse if you can't put your Rambo gear on? <laughs> <laughs> I right. should just throw seeds around. I don't know where grow. Megan's been sneaking sugar in here. So. <laughs> oh, man. All right, are you done? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Someone get the hook. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we're going to have – did you have anything else, David? About soy? About anything. I could tell you about sprouts forever. Sprouts? So you're a sprouts guy too. Yeah. Well, we have have some other guests, um, but I would like to – Keep going with you if you got more. I'd say I'd say tell people about sprouts because they're so easy and people don't realize how easy it is to grow sprouts. You buy you buy a little green cap, you put it on your bottle, your glass jar, right? It's pretty simple. Well, I've got an easier way. Don't buy a green cap. Don't don't, don't use cheesecloth. Don't use silk stockings. <laughs> <laughs> silk stockings. Use a jar with the cap on loosely, oh, which okay. allows some air exchange. And it keeps the moisture in, so you don't have to water them as frequently. You know, instead. Okay, so tell us, tell us the tell okay, us the let's, process. Okay, let's let let's take a simple, you know, easy, quick sprout. Um, for example, lentils. Okay. So you want to get the green lentils, not the red split lentils. Of course, a, you know, a, a split seed only half will, or half of them will germinate, <laughs> or none of them. So you soak the seeds. Different seeds take different amounts of soaking, but, you know, somewhere between three and eight hours usually. So let's say you soak the seeds overnight. Okay. And then you drain off all the water in the morning and and try to get all the water out because excess water could cause them to rot prematurely. 
and then twice a day, cover them with water, switch them around, pour out the water, and let them germinate. You know, keep them in a warmish place, you know, almost any place that you could live, the sprouts can live. It's so simple. And then you've got like these fresh little sprout vegetables that you can eat all day long. And sprouts are pretty full of protein and uh, they have all like the energy of a new plant. You know, well, very... they do. The, the protein is actually in the form of amino acids. And, you know, the seed has protein. And the germination process breaks down the protein for the benefit of the plant. And it makes vitamins for the benefit of the plant. But you are intercepting those at, at the optimum time. Should we feel guilty about that? <laughs> you want to feel guilty? I won't feel guilty. I... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, so, some people have a problem with gluten. But you could grow wheat sprouts, rye sprouts, spelt sprouts. Uh, I have to say that the gluten probably doesn't break down. Mm. You, know, you have to go all the way to wheat grass. Yeah. You know, yet to eat the blade of grass without right. eating the seed to, to, right. to avoid the gluten. I'll tell you, if you take some wheat sprouts and put them in your mouth and chew them, let's say, you know, teaspoon of wheat sprouts, you'll get a mouthful of gum. Wow. <laughs> That's gluten brand gum. <laughs> and, it'll, and you can chew it for half an hour before it completely dissolves. <laughs> But if you, if you put other food in your mouth, it will... Can I don't you know blow if I'm going to try that one anytime soon. <laughs> brand, brand gum bubbles? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have something really interesting about growing grain sprouts, because a lot of people like those small grains like quinoa mm-hmm. and amaranth, quinoa. which is even smaller, and millet. And people do talk about sprouting those grains. But when you go to you know raw food recipes and raw food restaurants... You'll find that the recipe calls for soaking the millet, let's say, overnight, and then doing your thing with mm-hmm. it, you know, blending it, whatever you're doing for the raw uh, effect, you know. But those aren't really germinated, in my opinion. Mm. You know, you really need to wait until you could see a little bit of the root. Mm. And those small seeds will hold water in the mass and won't let oxygen in, and the seeds may not all germinate. So here's my trick. I think nobody knows about this. Uh-oh. Oh. Mix Secrets. different seeds together. So let's say you start with wheat sprouts. So you, so you do your thing. You, you soak your wheat seeds overnight, drain, drain them off, and let them start sprouting for about a day and a half. And then put your millet into that jar without pre-soaking the millet and just shake them around and let them mingle with the hmm. wheat. And they'll get their moisture and their air and their space by clinging to, to the wheat. So it's like a symbiotic sprouting. It's absolutely symbiotic. <laughs> and, and, and the small seeds don't take as long to sprout. So when the wheat's done, the other ones are done. Cool. And then you put them in your yogurt for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wow. You're going to be a good... So, uh, so this is good because... All right, so you could grow... So the problem with living in the Northeast, as I see it, if, if you're trying to be vegan locally, is that in the winter you can't grow as many things. And uh, that's why people think they have to go kill animals during the winter. <laughs> no, they kill them in the fall, and then they freeze them. <laughs> yeah, but after the apocalypse, well, I guess we'll have a lot of... Will we have snow? I don't know. It might be a beach. We don't know what we're going to have. <laughs> but anyway, so this theoretical. We're going to grow soy, stockpile it in our uh, shed, and then we're going to make yogurt all winter and sprout sprouts into it. 
<laughs> and this is how we will survive the New England winter. Well, you know, bring, the vegan locavores in the apocalypse. <laughs> bring, bringing back the gardening theme, uh, a lot of seeds can be grown and saved. You know, particularly the um, annual vegetables. And have you had any experience growing grains around here? Not yet. Okay. That's that's an, an, another project. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there is actually a grain CSA. There's a grain CSA in Amherst, I think, or they, they farm in Amherst, I've heard. Someplace else. Um, but actually, I have a one-third share. I'm sharing with, with um, two other families. Oh, cool. And it's it's beans, grains, and oil seeds. That is so, so cool. You know, I think there's... I'm on that next year. Well, yeah. We're going to get them on a future show. You should. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, David. You're welcome. This yeah, it's great. great. David Loveler, a name you have to love. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when we were at the um, Boston Vegetarian Society Food Fest, I met this guy there that had a booth. He's selling his new book called The Vegan Monologues. Did you see that? Was it like a comedian thing? No, he's a, he's a writer and... Um, he writes <clears throat> little essays, and he also has been on NPR and stuff. He's trying to play off the vagina monologues. Exactly. You're, wow. You're quick. I am quick today. <laughs> and so um, he has agreed to uh, do some segments for us. Um, but he, he's given me a couple segments, and I was going to play one here while we switch over to our next guest. Um so there's a couple. There's there's this one called Vegetarian Guys Get the Girls. Doesn't that sound exciting? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is true. And this this is a good little good little summary of it. And so this is going to be a new recurring thing on our show, I think, if you guys like it. And uh, if you don't, then you can get lost. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy's name is Ben Shaberman. And uh, this little monologue here is Vegetarian Guys Get the Girls, which is in the book, Vegan Monologues. I've been to more vegetarian gatherings than any avid herbivore could ever dream of. Countless potlucks, parties, protests, fairs, and fundraisers. Through them all, two things have held constant. An absence of meat and an abundance of women. When I became a vegetarian, I did it for the animals, not to meet girls, but alas, there they were. Women came by the busloads to vegetarian events, and nobody was selling Tupperware or lingerie. Remember those Elvis movies where all those voluptuous women would gather around him when he arrived at a party? Well, nothing remotely similar to that has ever happened to me at a veg event, but I have had a couple of remarkably stimulating conversations about tofu with the opposite sex. I'm not currently in the market for a woman a disclaimer I make to ensure continued harmony with my extraordinarily lovely and multi-talented vegan girlfriend, Jeannie. But for the guys who are looking to start a relationship, going vegetarian is a great way to meet women and lots of them. My friend Don Robertson runs the Baltimore chapter of EarthSave, a global organization promoting a plant-based lifestyle, and he draws over 50 people to his monthly speaking events and potlucks. Don reports that on average, about 65% of attendees are women. That's two females for every male, not too shabby. What's also not too shabby about the vegetarian lifestyle for guys is that it makes us better lovers. 
Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that all vegetarian guys are well-oiled sex machines, but a meat-free diet will keep your arteries clear, including those that power the family jewels. Medical studies have shown that atherosclerosis can lead to impotence. If you're concerned that being vegetarian is going to negatively impact your bodybuilding and toning efforts at the gym, worry not, man of steel. There are plenty of professional he-men who have done quite well on meat-free diets, including four-time Mr. Universe Bill Pearl. If you prefer athletic endeavors that require endurance or speed, you can look to vegan Carl Lewis, winner of nine Olympic track and field gold medals, for inspiration to give up meat. But even if you're not the type to woo women with your athletic prowess or flawless physique, the fact that you're vegetarian says something important about your personality and your values. As an herbivore, there's a good chance you have compassion for animals and the environment. Maybe you'll even talk about your feelings and hold your partner's purse when she goes to the ladies' room. These are the habits and character traits that vegetarian women just adore. Even non-vegetarian women dig those qualities. The only downside to being a vegetarian guy is that once you've met the veg woman of your dreams, she'll probably end up taking you to even more vegetarian gatherings than you went to before you met her. Hopefully, there'll be another guy or two you can hang out with and talk to about your favorite baseball team or Pink Floyd concert. And if you really hit it off, maybe you'll even exchange tofu recipes. That was Ben Shaberman, and uh, that was from his book, Vegan Monologues. Very um, good. That's, there's some funny parts in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got some other essays that um, I'm going to get him to record that, are, that I like. One about uh, cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite subjects vegans for cannibalism uh so we're here and uh scott's here hello and (laughs) (laughs) i made it i made it he brought a guest uh will what's your last name devault weaver devault weaver yes it's very long okay he's not just a weaver he's a devault weaver (laughs) and uh we are we are part of cooks for compassion collectively that's why we're here oh yeah that's right Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is? I've heard of it. I think you you even came to an event. <laughs> Come on, I did. Tell us tell us about it. What's Cooks for Compassion? I, I defer to Will. Well, Cooks for Compassion is a nonprofit organization. We are five hundred one c three, and we put on charity dinners, which are um, very um, elegant and um, uh, very delicious. Also. And vegan. And vegan, of course, always of course. vegan. And they benefit um, animal sanctuaries or any kind of vegan um, idea that's really good that really uh, gets out the message of veganism and helps animals, of course. And uh, last one, we did Farm Sanctuary. It was very successful. And we had a local jazz band play, um, a band called Flying Carpet, which is really awesome, um, new on the scene. And uh, it was just great. Um, you came. Uh, Derek came. <laughs> I came, I saw. Uh-huh. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of local people, a lot of great faces that I've seen at the uh, vegan potlucks. And, um, so, yeah, we're doing one in February on the 7th, I think, right? That's right. First Sunday in February. And uh, this time we're going to be benefiting the, uh, what's the name of that farm sanctuary? Mapleberry Farms. Maple, Maplewood Farms. <laughs> Mapleberry or Maplewood? I mean Maplewood. Yes. Maplewood. Okay. Sorry. They might change their name to Mapleberry after they hear this. <laughs> Sound, it has a certain ring to it. But and, uh, and where yeah. is this going to be? Uh, we're going to be at Cafe Evolution. Oh, I see. So and so they they will always be at Cafe Evolution. 
Um, hopefully. I love that place. And hopefully uh, they get bigger and better. And uh, it's kind of nice to have Cafe Evolution because it's so small and everything is really exclusive because only a certain amount of people can get in. Yeah. Um, so our hope is that um, bigger organizations or bigger venues will open up their space for us so that we can raise more money and uh, benefit the animals a lot better. Awesome. Especially right now, it's like dead of winter or almost dead of winter and everybody's hurting for change. So. Dead of winter and it's still 70 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's going to be in February too. Don't you worry. It'll be like 75. <laughs> Where I am, it will be. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Burning in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Maple... Maple Farm... Maple Farms Animal Sanctuary is going to be featured in the new um, Peaceable Kingdom movie. And uh, they were actually... I interviewed some people from there at... um, the Boston Vegetarian Food Fest, which was on our last podcast that went straight to podcast. It was not a broadcast, just a podcast. And so, uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I think that if people want to check it out, they should listen to the podcast. It sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Well, they're in Massachusetts. That's cool. Yep. Somewhere south of Worcester, I understand, about 45 minutes from here. And hopefully we'll get a chance to take a trip out there and Visit them, see what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, I went there when they first opened uh, a couple of years ago for a picnic. I think they they came to our um, when we had a little big food sale. They came. Didn't big we meet food? them? Yeah, we met them. Maybe. Maybe so, does the, the people you donate money to do they have to be nonprofits too, or is that just the way it's worked out so far? Um, I, I think the idea is yeah, they have to be a nonprofit. Um, it helps definitely, uh, so you can earmark your donation. Um, and that's that's really huge because if you have um, a big corporation that's doing it, um, like, um, oh, I guess I can't say names, but there's some, um, there's a bunch of organizations out there, and it's really not clear who's who and who's doing what. So with a 501c3, you can clearly state in your tax returns, I have um, donated to a 501c3, and it was earmarked for this and that, and it's. You know, watch your hands over there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I like to drum. <laughs> he talks with his hands. I have a gym bay. So you can you can move them around up in the air. Okay. So who's behind this little Cooks for Compassion thing anyway? Well, um, we've newly added um, this man over here to Scott? my room, Scott. Oh, Scott Lafon. It's going to be your downfall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I, had, I, I love to volunteer for things. It's fun. He was actually one of the first people that he uh, joined on. He was a sous chef at the last one, right? Yes, yeah, sous chef. Everyone, uh, it was pretty cool. Everyone was dressed up in these chef outfits and... You know, it was the best I've ever seen Evolution look, definitely. Yeah. As far as, like... I wore a tie you know, and everything. As, mu- as far as atmosphere, you, re- you felt like you were in a totally different restaurant, kind of. It was, Sweet. It was really nice. Oh, yeah. Everyone dressed up really nice, and even we dressed up really nice. I mean, wow, that's a big step for me. I like my... Uh, I was in jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. There was no dress code for the guests, so it was all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it um, it originated with a woman named Alice Chung, who's a local um, private chef and local food um, uh, food cook. And she went to the Natural Food Institute in New York City. I yes, forget she what did. it's called. 
And she's uh, also the head of Harmonic Kitchen, which is a little private cooking um, cooking demo class that she runs um, monthly. Um, right now, she's not doing it, um, but uh, usually it's going on, and it's great. And you can learn how to make really exquisite vegan dishes. She's a great teacher. And then there's a woman um, named Amanda who teaches Amanda at, Woolley. Amanda Woolley, yes. She's a brilliant musician, and she teaches uh, music to children in Springfield. And um, she has been organizing pretty much all facets of it, um, doing a little bit of everything. Getting, uh, She brought a really remarkable uh, classical guitarist that um, played in between when Flying Carter oh, was yeah. playing. He was amazing. And uh, then there's another woman um, by the name of... <laughs> uh, my brain is blanking. I can't help you. This is the one um, I haven't met. Um, 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 oh, is it um, Cheryl? Yeah, yeah Cheryl. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Cheryl. Sorry, Cheryl. I love you. I would have spoken up for you. But, uh, <laughs> I was busy reading news here. In my defense, I've been at work all day. So anyway, yeah. So we all got together um, about this time last year um, over the internet, virtually the greatest super highway ever invented. <laughs> and at, Amanda had thrown out this, uh, are anybody interested in uh, coming to do these things? And she had a, a time punch. What, what times would be work, working for you? And it was all over the map. Everybody, um, so many people responded, like hundreds and hundreds of people. <laughs> and um, and so she did it again later, a few months. And uh, me and Cheryl and Amanda had responded that we could do it. And so we turned out to be the only ones that met for the first meeting. Cool. And it stayed that way. Um, and it was great. It immediately um, really worked. The energy was there. We all really were committed to it. And uh, we're all vegans, of course. And so did you start the nonprofit or is this part of a bigger nonprofit? Um, I believe Amanda started it. I kind of I showed up and we um, we started planning, and then all of a sudden she said, "Oh, we've got five hundred one c three," and I said, "Okay, cool." Wow. And cool. Yeah. Well, we're in the process of starting a nonprofit right now, so oh, cool. Which we're one? filing our. Well, it's going again. It's going to be called Evolve Again, and uh, mm-hmm. we're filing our state um, thing this week, and uh, and then we have to start working on the federal tax-exempt, and that'll be how we're going to fund Vegan Radio and the Vegan Bus and other projects in the future. And uh, cool. so once we get that, then we'll we'll beg you for a dinner <laughs> to support us. <laughs> Maybe we could take advantage of Amanda's fast track to the 501c3. I know. How'd she do it? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Well, we, we have two vegan lawyers helping us now, so oh, yeah. right it's on. pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Shout out to Yoshi and David. Imagine that. Sharks that don't eat meat. <laughs> well, there's a but, um, there's a um, vegan spider. So, vegan lawyers, the next natural evolution, you know. So I have a question that goes back to cooks for compassion and <laughs> veers off of Derek's jokes. Um, did you and are you and Amanda food people? Like, were you really into preparing food, or can anybody just come and volunteer who can chop some vegetables or? Well, um, Alice Chung is the head chef. Um, so Amanda does a little bit of everything. Um, but me personally, I just kind of love to eat food. I don't really um, – I'm one of those people who has a few dishes that they like, and they throw it together really fast. Okay. And, uh, but, um, but, yeah, Alice, um, Alice really doesn't require anybody to have an extensive knowledge. Just if you want to help and you love animals, then just show up and she'll and have she a job for you. direct you. Yeah, she's, she's a good delegator. She's a great delegator, and so, she has a very soft hand. 
<laughs> soft hands. Soft hands soft or hands. a soft hand? A soft hand. Oh, she's, <laughs> not, she's not going to drill that, That's an expression. Hands. That's yes. some kind of expression. Yeah, soft hand. <laughs> that's right. Get it together, darling. I thought there was like some romance going on here. We I, could, oh, I get into you know. So, so who if if somebody's listening right now, um, then who should they contact to volunteer? Okay. Um, well, I'm the volunteer coordinator. Hello, everybody. And, oh, man, I can't stop banging on this thing. Um, <laughs> so you want to go to meetup.com. That's M is in Mary, E is in Earth, E is in Earth again, T is in Thomas, and then up, up.com. And uh, that's a local – oh, actually, it's a global, I think. Um, it's and, huge. Yeah, it's a massive huge. thing that you can get together and uh, participate in um, little organized events. And you just search for Cooks for Compassion. Um, so Cooks spelled regular, for spelled regular, and then Compassion spelled regular and uh our group will pop up and then you create yourself a mini profile it takes two seconds and then just um rsvp for the event and once you do i will send you a list of the positions that we need and uh there there we go and we'll be in touch yep. and you can join the uh, valley vegan society while you're on there too yeah mm-hmm. go to and all the meetups there's also a raw food meetup in uh springfield mm-hmm. so and if, connecticut yeah so if you're a vegan in the northampton area and you want to meet up with a lot of people yeah, my thing was I, I saw this Cooks for Compassion thing and I was like, what, there's vegans I don't know? I got I to gotta sign up. <laughs> I know, seriously. <laughs> I got to get away from this crowd. I'm, I'm, I'm getting sick of them. <laughs> I'm meet some new happened. vegans. Yeah, Scott went to their meeting instead of ours last night. So. <laughs> well, theirs was at Bella and yours was like in a room full of boxes. So <laughs> you decide. That's it, Scott. And also in another Scott, other Scott, you cut off from oh, Vegan Radio. Other, <laughs> other positions we need are always looking for uh, you know people who might want to come play music, uh, or you know uh, we may I don't know I think we might think about doing speakers. Yeah, if there's somebody who really knows their their business and is absolutely vegan, and or supporting vegan but knows their business and wants to come give a talk, we're we're figuring out how to work that in. We're not sure 100 percent yet. But uh, that's right. Jonathan Saffron Froer, you need not apply. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because he's a because he's a vacillator. He's a vacillator. I had no he's idea. Not, he's not vegan yet. I think he's on the path though. It's all right. We love him. He's got vegan characters in his book. Come on. He's got. I mean, he's got something. Natalie Portman to go vegan. I know. Give wow. him a little something, something. And so now, she's eligible to be my wife. <laughs> 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 it's okay. It's okay. He recognizes there's a spectrum. <laughs> you know, and we're on the extreme end of the spectrum. Oh, right? we're not That's extreme. Come on, Scott. Extreme. Extreme is breatharianism. <laughs> oh yeah, well there's fruitarians. They're extreme. You know, breatharians are all cheating. <laughs> they're they're, what, totally they're not cheating. breathing. They're, yes, exactly. They don't actually <laughs> breathe. <laughs> well, are any of us breathing? I mean, Morpheus said to Neo, "Is that air you think you're breathing right now?" <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we're all in the matrix. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's can, true. We're all deceived. So uh, let's take a little musical break so our listeners, tangent. Our listeners can, uh, <laughs> can have a little break from us, and then yeah. we'll come back with some more shenanigans. This is uh, our favorite vegan band, Beloved Binge, and their song, Freak Show.
We're back. Yes. Are we? Yes. This is uh, Valley Free Radio, and you're listening to the show Vegan Radio. Valley Free Radio is 103.3 FM, Northampton, and Vegan Radio is at veganradio.com. On the web, podcasting. Check us out through iTunes, your favorite podcast source. Um, we have Will. Uh, Hello. DeVault Weaver. DeVault Weaver. <laughs> DeVault hyphen Weaver. That yes. is a mouthful. Whoa. And he's uh, with Cooks for Compassion, and he was going to tell us Cooks for Compassion, besides being on meetup.com, they have a website. What's that? It is cooksforcompassion.com. I thought easy. you were a nonprofit. It should be .org. Well, I don't know. We'll get it to together, that. Will. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll have to get the org later. <laughs> yes. We'll have one redirected. I, hope the, I hope the org's still available. You pay extra for the org. Oh, I'm sure it is. We're a nonprofit. We have no money. Not it's after not that the, much. Not after the meat industry it's like here's the show. They're going to go out and buy it and torture you guys. Over my dead body. No, no. <laughs> Over my dead no, They don't mind. They'll, they'll send you right through the assembly line. <laughs> and and uh, uh, what else? Then uh, the band that plays there, the new local awesome jazz band, Delicious Jazz. Um, their name is Flying Carpet, and they're at myspace.com slash flyingcarpetjazz. And you can find some tracks. And good are stuff. there any vegans in that band? Uh, there are some vegetarians gravitating towards vegan. Oh, well, they better get on it. I'm trying. They tell them <laughs> if they go vegan, they can get on our show, and then they'll have a worldwide audience. Ooh, okay. That's a good incentive. <laughs> Actually, it is. Yep, they'll have. Like, That's why I'm here. They'll have like <laughs> 40 fans or something around the world. And if and if anybody listening wants to donate, right, then that would be great for because you guys always need food resources. Exactly. Yeah, and you can uh, donate through the cooksforcompassion.com, and um, you can also buy tickets there and get information um, about Cooks for Compassion and um, other uh, vegan stuff there. It's pretty cool. Excellent. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Scott has a story about cannibalism, and I think we should try to get to that because that's very important. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, this is an interesting thing, actually. It's more, more interesting than anything, which is um, that the, you remember perhaps you've heard the, the whole story about mad cow disease and the way that it, it was originally discovered that it was caused by a prion was uh, sort of related to this disease in New Guinea mm-hmm. called Kuru which it was a, a disease that this cannibal tribe, which I guess you wouldn't necessarily call them cannibals uh, as, a, as a lifestyle. They didn't go out looking to hunt people and eat them. They but just waited until they died. Yeah, they would eat the brains of, of their you know, dead Actually, the, relatives. Actually, the men ate the bodies and the women ate the brains. Yeah, exactly. And so they, they began to develop this brain-wasting disease called Kuru, and it was eventually discovered that it was caused by a prion, and it was related to scrapie and... Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. And, and the women uh, were getting it more than men because they were eating the brains. Yep, exactly. Well, it turns out that th- you know they stopped uh, doing that. They outlawed it in the 30s. And uh, they stopped doing that. But they've now developed a resistance to mad cow disease type diseases. That's the New Guinea interesting. people? Yes. As, uh, yeah, hmm. Just the subsequent generations have developed a resistance because it you know, passes on from you can imagine it might pass on from generation to generation. Uh, and so they're looking at that to figure out what the deal is, you know, and what what uh, what it is that might be causing it. And so there may actually be. Uh, Are you saying that we have to some... eat cow brains? <laughs> no, you <laughs> don't have to do anything you don't want to do. What are you telling us, Scott? I'm just saying that maybe that's why the government is is not testing for mad cow because they know if if a lot of people get mad cow disease, then future generations will develop a resistance so they're really trying to help the future generations that i suppose must that be it. that must apply to all the poisons in our atmosphere <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Uh, they're, just, they're just giving us tough love. In other news, there is a Senate bill pending which would require E. coli testing. Yep, the E. coli Eradication Act of 2009 focused on slaughterhouse trimmings and other meat components commonly used to make ground beef. Uh, so the things that they scrape up off the floor that end up in your uh, hamburger are apparently not currently required to be tested for E. coli, which is, comes from uh, feces. Uh, so they're actually going to require that now, um, which is a, real, a good way to sort of move forward into the 21st century, if you think about it. So that's, uh, that's in the news. Also, meat recall of the week. Uh, this time in Utah, um, Thrive Foods recalling approximately 3,790 pounds of assorted meat and poultry products because they were produced without inspection. So keep an eye out for that story. They were produced without inspection, but do they, are they diseased or they're just well, you, uninspected? They're uninspected. Huh. So this is just a case where the USDA is uh, stepping in and saying these weren't inspected. Uh, in wow, news that's that's of the, unlike uh, the USDA. What's going on? I know. I know. It's good to see them you know, <laughs> taking steps. Well, you know, I think the main thing is they probably felt like, don't be disrespecting us. Don't be disrespecting us. Not so much that they're concerned about public Maybe, safety. Maybe, yeah, once, once there's, like, they get into the court with all their, for all this stuff they've let get by, they'll be, but, like, remember that one time when we, we, we called right. that uninspected meat? Yeah, see? That we're proves that we're, we're worthy of being here. Yeah, well, that's the thing. From time to time, they have to do something. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, Sarah Palin has released a new book. Did you know? <laughs> it's called Going Rogue. And, uh, you know, as we all know, Sarah Palin, a real rogue, um, doesn't live in a house, She's lives a in a maverick. cave, wears a, wears a hair shirt, um, and, uh, and is, you know, has basically eschewed society in order to go about helping people and, you know, just only, only takes what is given to her. And uh, so Sarah Palin, the saint Sarah, is saying in her book that if any vegans came over to dinner... She could whip them up a salad and then explain her philosophy on being a carnivore. Oh, my God. Whip them up a salad. Which consists of this wonderful <laughs> statement. Here's some iceberg lettuce. That's right. And her philosophy is, if God had intended for us to eat animals, how come he made them out of meat? Oh, my She God. actually said that? Yes, he wow. did. She did. She's getting smarter every day. She wow. is. It's good to know that... that She's um, learning how to memorize bumper stickers. I know. I tell you, this is one of the great things about being American is you never have to go past the age of five emotionally or intellectually <laughs> if you don't want to. That's one of our freedoms. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for demonstrating that to us. So um, that's uh, most of the news. Um, apparently, Elizabeth and Dennis Kucinich are in Washington, D.C., promoting vegetarian lunch options. All right. Yeah. All right. That's right. A lot of people uh, think Dennis Kucinich is kind of weird. <laughs> but um, but he's not, you know. He's he's, no, a, he's, he's a, just short. He's an awfully cool guy. He's got um, one hot mama for a wife. He's a thinker. He's a reader. Um, and uh, and he actually, he's a doer. you know, he is a doer. <laughs> and um, you know, I mean, he he did get kind of shut out of the last election. You might remember he was in it. Mm. He's a maverick for about five minutes, and then he then he wasn't taken seriously, and so he was shut out. Well, now he's out there and he's doing uh, his part to promote uh, healthy lunches along with the uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And uh, John Sally, a vegetarian and retired NBA basketball star. Wow. Yeah. So that's cool. to, that was today. How about that? Just today? Yep. You're on top of it, Scott. <laughs> that's right. 
It really pays off to put the news together at the last minute, doesn't it? <laughs> and as uh, and as Derek is heading towards the south, <laughs> here's a little news from Atlanta. The first county-by-county county survey of obesity reflects past studies that show the rate of obesity is highest in the southeast and Appalachia. Appalachia. That's oh, man, right. Man, I'm going to have to be careful. High rates of obesity and diabetes were reported in more than 80% of counties in the Appalachia region that includes Kentucky, Tennessee, and West Virginia. Yep. So uh, this is an, an interesting study because this isn't uh, a problem of affluence where people are too wealthy and they're spending a lot of money on food and growing big. No, it's in fact mostly among poor people who are apparently buying really bad food and uh, that makes you fat and, uh, and that doesn't provide a lot of nutrition. And also, you know, they're, they're not out running and stuff. So they can't afford to get their stomach stapled. That was a very simplified explanation. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also the fact, you know, that um, it's a really warm. It's really warm down there, you know, all year round. It's pretty. It's pretty warm. So you'd think people would be outside being active more. Yeah, you'd think people have gardens. I don't know. Sometimes when it's too hot, you just want to like sit there and not move. Yeah, sit on your porch and drink a big mint julep with gravy in it. <laughs> mint julep. Oh my god, Scott. <laughs> Eat You're some uh, pork off for the pig ears time. and yes, brains. What well, you saw eat? you saw the cover of the Advocate, right? It had a it had a picture of a pig on the front. Oh yeah, it was about the swine flu. I don't know why. You know, the thing was they used a picture of a slaughtered pig instead of a live pig, and then they kept repeating the photo like over and over again in the issue. Yeah, and it was really Noticed. bad. It was really annoying. Yeah, because you know. Pigs don't always look like that. They're very vital and they're, they're pink and lovely and and cute. And yeah, I think it was uh, maybe just because it was swine flu and it's supposed to be scary, you know. Yeah, I suppose. But you know, Halloween was like you know a while ago. They should have had one of those people from Appalachia on there instead, you know. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> that would have scared me worse. You can take your camera down there and take some pictures for us. I will. All right, I'm on a mission. Uh-oh. And uh, and that's all the news that's fit to oh, come on, Scott. Report. We, we got two more minutes. Well, uh, I was going to say something about Jonathan Safran Foer. He's out there on a book tour. I'm going to meet him on Sunday. Oh well, he's going to be at a Farm Sanctuary Thanksgiving in New York City. Very good. I'm going to be there photographing, and I'm going to try to get an interview with Jonathan while I'm there. Excellent. I hope you can. You know, he might steer clear of you being an extremist and all. <laughs> he's he's giving a talk there. Did he talk? Did he make that statement that vegans are extremists? Is that why you keep referencing that? No, no, I, I jest. He's really. I think he's really trying to keep uh, the door open. He doesn't want people to think that. Oh well, you know, if you if you're gonna you know do the responsible thing, the only thing you can do is give up everything and you know eat salad. That's not his message, and he wants to be more of a you know to make it a more Accessible. simple thing. Just. Reduce your consumption of stuff which is you know, wasteful and damaging, both to your health and the environment. And so, you know, and th- I think that's good. It's good to have a wider appeal because uh, we need to bring people in from the fringes who are considering it but might think that it's too weird or too extreme or that they won't have good food to eat. So yeah. good for you, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> You've come full circle, Scott. <laughs> I have. Oh, uh, Russell, Russell Simmons is also going to be there. Ooh, Excellent. Cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get them both. Talk to him about his yoga practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Hey, this is the best verse. You know what? <laughs> Let me tell you something. There's something wrong with this whole theme song. 
with me not being. Well, if you didn't in. go to India, you would have made it into well, the sun. Well, I was in India. Like it wasn't like I, you know, was not coming back. I don't know. Maybe we can like you know, sort of dub it in. I'll be like, it's even better with Derek and Scott and Megan. <laughs> Yeah, if, if Rob did it in that voice, quick. he's got a yeah. murder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's time for us to end. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, it's Vegan Radio on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. Tune in in two more weeks, and we'll have another mysterious guest. <laughs> <laughs> and Derek will be able to enunciate. <laughs> I think they say Megan right here. Watch. Uh-huh. It says, like, are you there, Megan, or something. Yeah, that's definitely it. That's definitely it. Are you there, Megan? Maybe that's what they said. Yeah, we'll just, we'll hope for the best. <laughs> All right, kids. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you later. Go vegan. Vegan Radio. Crunchy on the outside, creamy on the inside, and 100% gristle-free.